0: I love the, the fact that it's very much a peer-to-peer conference, that um, people are really transparent about um, sharing their learnings, their thoughts, their experiences over the last year. Uh, everyone's incredibly friendly and open and really willing to engage and talk. Um, it's a really nice place to temperature check what's going on in your in um, people who are delivering public sector services, um, what, what's on their mind, what are they thinking about. Um, and I, I find that it varies. Sometimes we're very much like, "Hey, we've solved the problem. Let's think forward." And then sometimes we're very much like, "No, there's still a lot of problems to solve."
1: And what was it that brought you back to SD and Go?
0: I think it's a sense
2: of community, right. uh, sharing, and very like open, transparent. And I think when you do that, you're able to see kind of pad- patterns and parallels right. with the work that you're doing.
1: very warm welcome to the Understanding Users podcast, brought to you by Researchable UX. It's great to have you with me. I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be chatting to various digital experts who I've had the pleasure of working with in recent years. They're from various disciplines, including user research, UX design, development, and product management. And they'll even be a digital business owner or two. I'll be talking to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way and what advice they may have for others getting into the field. These are intended to be relaxed informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences, so sit back and enjoy. In the third and final part of this mini-series covering the Service Design in Government Conference held in Edinburgh in September 2022, I chat with some of the attendees to hear more about why they came, what they enjoyed, and what they will take away from the sessions they attended and the people they met. These conversations are with experienced practitioners and newbies alike, and even if you didn't attend the event, I hope you'll find something useful here to consider in your own work. Within this short episode, there isn't time to cover all the many fantastic talks and workshops, but it should give you a flavour of what was on offer and what those who attended took away from the event. With many thanks to my guests, Amanda Payne, Jasmine Kendall, Tas Smith, so, Park, Claudia Hopkins, Tom Morgan, Sadaf and Hannah Whiteley. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. So, I'm sitting here with Jasmine Kendall at the end of day two. And is this your first time at SDGov?
3: Yes, it is. Um, it's my first in person conference, so I'm having a great time. Um, it's really nice to see faces that I've seen on Twitter or um, like people that I've worked with before, but remotely in real life.
1: And you did a workshop earlier, I think.
3: Yeah. Tell me a little Um, bit
1: about that. Yeah.
3: So the the workshop um, was titled Towards Stronger Cultures of Human-Centered Design in Government. Um, So recently at Oxford Insights, um, we've been working on an international index um, for human-centered public services. So you can check that out on our website, encourage people to go and have a look at it. And one of the things um, that we're thinking about when when we were producing the index was... OK, so we're measuring how human centric services are from the user's perspective from kind of an external point of view. But what about the cultures that you need behind the scenes within government right. um, to create services that work for everybody that are accessible, inclusive, reliable, etc.? cetera? Um, so I really wanted to kind of pose that question to the community because I don't have all of the answers. Um, and it was really interesting to, to kind of get a discussion going and to hear what people had to say.
1: And what was the key takeaway, do you think, from your session for, for those who came to it?
3: I think, I mean, I need some time to kind of digest because there was so much going on. There was, you know, I've got pages and pages of post-it notes that I need to look through. Um, I think one thing that, that really came through for me is that we need to create kind of a safe psychological space within our multidisciplinary teams where people feel like comfortable enough to experiment, um, You know, when we're working in an agile way, we know that we test things. And sometimes that means that things go wrong and we have to start again. And I think everybody needs to feel comfortable with that approach Um, and we need to be empathetic, obviously with our users, but also, you know, between ourselves as kind of service teams.
1: So I'm talking now to Hannah Whiteley from CX Partners. Hi, Hannah. Hello. Tell me a little bit about your role and uh, and what you do at CX Partners.
4: Um, so I'm a principal UX consultant, um, in actually in the financial services pod, but we also have people in the government pod here here at the conference. Uh, my role is well, it's a lot of things, so um, sort of service designer, interaction designer, UX designer. But yeah, basically it means helping our clients to make their products or services better for the user. So we've got very much a user focus of what we do. We do a lot of research, uh, trying to understand their needs, trying to empathize with them, uh, yeah, to try and make the world, I guess, a better place.
1: And is it your first time at SD and Gov?
4: Uh, Yes, it is, yeah, yeah. It's been really, uh, really interesting, actually. It's kind of, because I don't work in government all the time, it's kind of been parachuted into (laughs) the government world um and some things are very nerdy government stuff um and some stuff are very much more generic service design elements um but it's been really interesting to kind of get, kind of immerse myself in the, in the government world for a little while
1: <laughs> and you did a session you ran a session yesterday i believe tell yeah. us a little bit about what it what you covered and kind of what the takeaways were
4: so uh me and my colleague uh, nicola pritchard ran a session on impact mapping it was re- it was a workshop so it's really quite interactive it was really interesting essentially impact mapping is a way that you can sort of really understand what's the kind of impact that the product or service you're going to build will have on the user and how do you kind of ultimately work out how to kind of have that impact, the impact that you want to have. It was really interesting actually, we had some really, uh, some teams were very engaged, very excited by it, we had some teams who kind of uh, took it in some interesting directions um, and and we had a lot of really good questions. So yeah, it it was a very productive session.
5: My name's Tass Smith and I work at Warwick District Council, which is a local authority sort of bang in the middle of England. I'm in a new role, I'm currently the Transformation Lead,
0: which is a made-up role that I've been doing for two years and just got funding for another two years. I'm Amanda, I'm from CX Partners, I'm the experienced Strategist Director, um, which means I run the public sector team. We're um, really passionate about helping our public sector clients make an impact on citizens' lives. And is it your first time at SDN? It's the
5: first in-person event. I did the virtual event last year, and I thought it was so good that when I saw it's going to be in person, I was
0: determined to attend. No, I think it's my fifth. I think 2017 was the first time I came. Oh wow, you're a regular. Yeah, just about. I just, I love the the fact that it's very much a peer-to-peer conference, that um, people are really transparent about um, sharing their learnings, their thoughts, their experiences over the last year. Uh, Everyone's incredibly friendly and open and really willing to engage and talk. Um, It's a really nice place to temperature check what's going on in, your, in um, people who are delivering public sector services, um, what, what's on their mind, what are they thinking about? Um, and I, I find that it varies. Sometimes we're very much like, hey, we've solved the problem, let's think forward. And then sometimes we're very much like, no, there's still a lot of problems to solve. How do we, how do we solve them?
1: And have you, have you given a talk or a workshop over the last couple of
0: days? My colleague Mark Skinner and I were talking about the gaps between Discovery and Alpha and how dangerous they can be and how you need to really understand, um, uh, um, especially if there's like a time time gap or team change, and how you can pick up Discovery activities in Alpha or go back and, um, and actually make more of Discovery, so bring design or designing into your Discovery methodology.
1: Right, and and what was the key takeaway from your uh, talk for your audience?
0: Oh, the key takeaway is that it's much easier if you move straight from Discovery to Alpha. But if you can't, ask yourself some key questions, make sure you understand what gaps there are, and then come up with a plan to revisit them. And that might be doing Discovery activities in Alpha to get you on the right path, or it might be um, planning your discovery so you do a a few more tangible design decisions earlier on. Hi, setup. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi. So I'm a service designer at the Toronto Society, um, and my role is leading on a wellbeing project. Um, so it's a, it's a digital service. Um, that's what I'm working on currently. And
1: is it your first time at SD and Go?
2: First time in person. Uh, I've been online um, throughout the COVID kind of pandemic. So it's been really great to meet people face to face and connect who you are connected with online.
1: And what was it that brought you back to SD and Go?
2: I think it's just a sense of community, right. uh, sharing and very like open, transparent and I think when you do that you're able to see kind of pad- patterns and parallels right. with the work that you're doing. Maybe there's a particular interest that you haven't had time to look at and um, that you can think about a bit more.
1: And have you, have you given a talk or a workshop over the last couple of days?
2: Yeah, so I talked on Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. Um, and uh, it was on co design um, with young people. Right. Um, and it was based on the Digital Wellbeing Offer project and how our progress and journey was in co designing with young people. Right. Um, and we did like a spin off Future Scenarios workshop with my colleague um, Jessica.
1: And what was the kind of key takeaway you wanted people to go away from the talk with?
2: I think the main key takeaway is that as you're delivering, Um, and developing the digital prototype that we co-design with young people um, at every step of the way um, and ensuring that it's relational and not transactional um, and so that you put them at the center um, and make sure it's meaningful for them so that was the main takeaway
6: I'm Soyan, and I'm a design researcher at the Institute of Global Health Innovation at Imperial College London. I work very closely with community groups and also cancer alliances to improve access and outcomes uh, in breast cancer care with
7: South Asian communities in London. And my name's Claudia Hopkins. I am mainly working in health design. Um, I've worked at Public Health England and digitizing services. I've also worked most recently at the Helix Center on the end-of-life care team, making research practices safe. I also have a keen interest in inclusive design and equity-seeking design, which is why Soyon and I decided to talk this year.
1: That's great. So you've done a talk at SD and Gov. Tell me a little bit about that and uh, you know what you covered and what you hoped uh, attendees would take from it.
7: So we were looking at inclusive design practices now but also dissecting how they can become one-off activities rather being drawn out into the whole process. And so jan has been doing some great work with communities that's embedding them along the whole journey of design.
6: I think what we wanted to convey from it is that the current inclusive design practice is very extractive and it's kind of like a one-off activity like Claudia said and we only carry out co-design workshops or accessibility testing when we want to. So we wanted to move beyond that and move into what equity actually looks like in the process which is looking at the fine detailed prints of the entire process. So when I say entire process it means like before, during and after the process. And how do we make sure that everything that we do we're thinking about the small things in between because those small things build up to Create an equitable process and to more equal outcomes for people. Actually, specifically for those who are uh, excluded historically and presently from the main narrative.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about your role, Tom, and uh, which organisation you work for? Yeah, so um, I'm a designer. I work for
8: Made Tech, which is an agency that does mostly work for government.
1: And is it your first time
8: at SD and Gov? No, no. Um, I've been here as a kind of attendee, I think, three times before. So I'm one of the people who sort of this was my last outing before COVID. And this is my first big outing now. So it's sort of like, Yeah. It's, I've, yeah.
1: And, and what is it that keeps you coming back?
8: Oh, um, certainly the feeling of like um, the group of people that I come across here are definitely um, in the same kind of situations as me. Uh, dealing with the same challenges coming up with the same problems that feeling of kind of like we are tackling the same issues in work and often i think in work certainly as a service designer i think that has been in different ways quite isolating and so there's a sense of coming together with people and actually finding that everybody is dealing with the same problems it's not just me and so that that was really good and i think the community of practice that is sort of around here i think somebody was saying this the other day that it's very collaborative and it's very open and it's all to do with the doing it's not just sort of like um, constant sales pitches or sort of like stuff that isn't very it can be quite practical and really sort of based on actual experience and I think that's yeah I've always found that really really useful and and yeah I've been here to this week uh, to give a talk um, on complexity and it sort of grew out of Before Made Tech, I was a civil servant for quite a while, and the kind of sense of how that was to be trying to do user-centred design in government, and the problems I had,
1: and the kind of like the challenges involved in that. There was one thing you wanted all the attendees to take away.
8: It was a personal thing to do with the way I responded to it. So in terms of takeaways, I think it's sort of like, this stuff worked for me, understanding the difference between something that you might call complicated and something that you might call complex and then understanding how your reaction to being in one of those situations would be different I think helps explain some of the weirdness and therefore the takeaways would be can we use new ways to think about these things and does that help you the
1: way it helped me (laughs) Thinking about the conference more widely, what particular talks or sessions have you been to that really kind of piqued your interest or you know got you thinking?
7: I think Shabira's talk yesterday was really nice because it was a good kind of introduction for people attending our talk. And I think that um, there were some different ideas that she had compared to us. And I think, but at the same time, it's all along the same lines. So I felt like that resonated quite well. Um, I also really liked the lightning talks yesterday, Um, they were all really good 10-minute talks with different people um, from the conference, so yeah, that was great too. I think one thing that I've noticed about the conference is that a lot of
6: amazing work are being done at a central government level and also national level. And Shabira yesterday um, in our talk mentioned we need to unite the top-down perspectives and bottom-up perspectives. And through our work and through our talk, we wanted to kind of bring that bottom-up perspectives as well and I hope that everyone actually thinks about that. So how do we unite what's happening at the top and what's actually happening on the ground and the realities of what it means to include users and people in your design and research. So that made me think a lot, yeah. There was one on like designing cities,
4: but I, I think that was more or less a personal thing. I think. Um, the lived space in which we all inhabit is, is a huge part of like um, uh, what's it called? A huge part of our lived experience. Um, and actually, I'm always fascinated by like the, the, the way that we create the life that we we live in and the way that how we move around it. Um, I always think like a sign of privilege is to have like really lovely lighting. And when you're like if you're on the poor end of the spectrum, the lighting you know that you exist in is always really harsh. Um, but like for I don't know for, the, for this example with the lived cities, I think. It was just really interesting to sort of really tackle a problem that was that was that was really big like they were looking at like how to get people from a to b um, in i think it was yeah, somewhere in colombia um, but i just find that stuff fascinating i think it's like yeah like i i, I feel it because i'm sort of quite anti-car i kind of look at the world the cities that we have built up and think how much space and stuff is dedicated to like cars like parking a car driving a car and all that space could be green or it could be walking space. I we could let children run around and but who they can't now. So I think it's a really interesting problem to try and tackle because it's so fundamental to how we all live.
5: Uh, Tom Morgan's made tech talk, where he was talking about um, um, complexity and, and coping with that. Um, and one thing really sparked, he was talking about the wolves being reintroduced to Yellowstone and how that change made such a difference in the ecosystem. and. I'm a very visual person, and it made me think that maybe if we put people back into the services that we deliver, the knock on effect of doing that would be
0: like the wolves in Yellowstone.
1: Right, yeah, that's a really nice analogy.
0: Well, I attended the Home Office's talk on um, service ownership and um, really taking a collective approach to making services a success, especially in policy design. And I found that really, really intriguing and, and very much aligned to how uh, how I think. And then um, there was a talk around um, uh, writing business cases against the kind of Green Book way of um, funding services. And that got me thinking a lot more about Who are the people who are signing off funding for um, programs of work and how do we write compelling business cases for them, um, both as a supplier to the public sector but but also within the public sector itself. Um, I also just attended a workshop where we're trying to solve um, uh, the culture of UCD within government, which I think is still very much a work in progress.
8: Yeah, there's been loads. There was a really good one from some guys from the Home Office who talked about um, service ownership. And that is something that was kind of like really resonated in terms of like being able to sort of organize things so that somebody can take responsibility for an end-to-end thing. That fragmentation across services has been a big problem. I've just seen one by Vicky um, who was talking about the way that maps have become sort of artifacts and outputs that service designers are expected to produce. And yet, quite often, that's not what's needed in the situation. And she was talking through the way that kind of like she's been um, in situations like that, the way she's dealt with it, the problems that have come up. And then she gave some really good practical advice for both how you kind of might avoid doing maps when they're not needed, yeah. but also I thought really nicely she gave advice for sort of like if you can't avoid doing one. Right. Here's some ways to approach it so that you can feel more like it's, it's useful and it's a positive kind of thing. Right. So again, it's that, that sense of sort of like coming together and really helping each other with these problems, not just on a practical level, but also the sort of how it feels to do this work.
1: And has anything you've seen so far or heard surprised you or kind of wasn't what you expected?
3: Yeah. Interestingly, I went to a talk uh, yesterday about policy design, um, and that's an area that's completely new to me. So in previous um, work, policy policy's kind of been a fixed thing. Um, So something that we know we've got to respect and and um, we kind of design around it. But hearing people speak about their experiences working to apply HCD to policy is something that I, as someone who's relatively new to the field, um, hadn't really heard that much about. So I'm super interested in that and really want to kind of go away and educate myself a little bit in that respect.
1: How, in your view, Jasmine, can Digital teams ensure they're having the maximum benefit or maximum impact on the users that they're designing for.
3: Most people will probably answer this with test with users, right? Make sure that you're you're going out, that you're list, that you're listening to users, but not just listening, like acting upon um, their their comments, their feedback. Um, I, I think we need to go beyond like lip service of saying we ran X amount of user um, research sessions and actually showing, okay, well we ran these user research sessions, Um, this is what we learned and this is what we've done about it. And that was something that really came out in um, a talk, um, in the keynote talk this morning. We need to go back to our users um, and tell them what we've done with the information that we've given them, because if not, that's just kind of extractive.
0: Well, I think it's um, not losing sight of that engagement and that engagement, we're really keen to explore. And I think the keynote this morning um, it was very much around the community and getting in there, and she didn't necessarily touch upon kind of co-design um, per se. But like the community research, meeting the people where they are, designing for that 20 percent rather than that 80 percent. I think it's hugely important. Diversity, inclusion, accessibility, diversity of thought in digital teams is really important. Um, the other thing, I but and the other thing we, I'd like to explore more of that I think we touch upon and some businesses do really well and some teams do really well is more co-design in those communities as well. So taking it from research into actually working with those communities to design.
4: We talk a lot actually about getting the users involved and I think that's an absolute no-brainer having the users like... We, I think at this conference they've talked a lot about co-creation, co-design. You know, how can we get people, leaders of the community in and, and, and that sort of stuff. I think, I think partially... Maybe the thing we are missing is how to influence people who actually have money and power. (laughs) Um, Not an easy thing to do because, but I think fundamentally to to make real change, make real difference, we're going to have to either influence them or be them ourselves. So I think at a certain, I mean, I'm hoping in like five or 10 years, the people who really are heads of industry are designers because we're the people who really understand how to solve a problem. Um, I guess that, you know, I sometimes think if our politicians use a little bit of service design thinking to kind of solve some of the problems that are wrong with our society, I think we might might be living in a better place.
1: How do you see the future of service design in government and public sector services kind of evolving?
6: (laughs) That's a really good question. I'm a very fiery person, so I have a lot of fire in my heart. Whenever I see injustice and inequalities, I really want to make changes. I think those changes require a lot more radical approaches. So I would say I would love to see our practices become a lot bolder. So be bold and be radical is how I would.
7: I agree. I think we need a lot of systemic changes happening. Um, how to connect, as Soyeon said, connecting people at the top, making decision makers more invested in inclusive practices and understand equity more. Um, so yeah, I think we need a lot of systemic changes to happen.
0: Um, I think that um, the last few years has almost given us a bit of a reset, um, that actually in some ways we, we seem to be starting over again, even though pe- things were accelerated and we did some great rapid service design to react to an unprecedented, um, unprecedented world. I think that there's a real danger of going back into our silos, going back into um, a perceived wisdom of where service design fits and, and how it how it um, how it um, sits there. I'd love to see us um, uh, continuing to um, uh, continuing to kind of embed that maturity and to recognize that not every organization is uh, is you know high up in their maturity. I'd also like to see us nurturing the, the people coming into service design from wherever direction, whatever age because I think um, there's, an, um, there's a push and an acceleration for people to have a common understanding, and I think we just need to make sure we're nurturing those people, also giving them the tools to do this well.
3: One thing that I've been thinking about um, recently is kind of the world we're living in, uh, the environmental concerns, the societal concerns, and making sure that we're building services that work for people as individuals, but also that Kind of a cognizant of those wider societal issues. Um, and it's something that I haven't quite ironed out completely in my head yet, but it definitely feels like there might be momentum in that direction towards thinking about services and their impact a bit more broadly.
8: I think, yeah, it's definitely a sort of interesting time. I mean, some of the talks this week, particularly the ones that focused on co design, really point the way. To a sort of next level of this kind of work, you know, within the kind of framework that we've created, that is sort of service design in all its different forms, there seems to be something there of like taking that, the power dynamics part of it, and moving even further. And I think there's something really useful in that kind of sense. I think also there's a sort of, like, um, yeah, like the the shifting of the momentum. I think is really interesting at the moment. I don't quite know that there's an answer to that, but there's a few people who've reflected on the kind of like the recent history of this and the way that, so like the keynote this morning talked about the kind of like the GDS revolution and then what's happened since and how that kind of moves on. And I think there's some interesting sort of questions to answer there about what we are trying to move towards as a profession uh, and, 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 and how we might kind of yeah, take the next, what, what the next sort of wave of activity is going to look like. Right.
1: So what would you say is the kind of biggest challenge that you face in your role sort of day-to-day, week-to-week?
0: Right now it's keeping um, ahead of a very changing environment. Um, a lot of our work is within the, within the health sector and we've had four health secretaries in as many months. Um, all of which have come in, you know, um, come in and put policies in place or have different priorities. So it's trying to keep ahead of those and also um, be partners to the people we work with in the health sector and, and the government as a whole, and understand and be empathetic to the, the uncertainty they must be feeling. Um, now more than ever, we need good services for our citizens because there's a lot in the world that's going to be impacting them. And and um, just keeping our eye on that, that that's what we're trying to do is make people's lives better is really important to me.
1: What inspires you or gets you out of bed in
3: the morning in terms of the work you do? I think it's all about, and I think a lot of people will sh- here will share um, this, um, just doing something that contributes towards a wider good. Like it's really nice to, um, Finish work and to, or you know, to deliver a service and to think, yeah, actually, that's had um, a, a positive impact on the wider world. Whatever, however minimal that might be, um, it's really important to me that the work that I do um, helps people in some way.
1: Many thanks for listening to this episode of the Understanding Users podcast, and special thanks to my guests: Amanda Payne, Jasmine Kendall, Tas Smith, Soyon Park, Claudia Hopkins, Tom Morgan. Sadaf Udin and Hannah Whiteley. And also a special thanks to Sarah Hill for editing this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Links are in the show notes. Join me again next time, where I'll be talking to more UX professionals and asking them to share their wisdom, tips, and knowledge with me. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.